but isn't it a miracle when one does? <laughs> and it actually fits better with what I'm going to say if a worm becomes a butterfly. Um, because by no means are we by nature becoming new. Let's pray. Father God, you are glorious and you are loving and you are worthy of love. You are worthy of our lives. Lord, as we continue now and we look through this passage of Scripture, I pray that, that Holy Spirit, you would be speaking through me this morning. Lord, I pray that, that all of us would be receptive to the word that you have for us today. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been on this really exciting journey uh, with the Apostle Paul as he wrote uh, this very short letter to this small church in little backwards town called Colossae. Um, I, I don't know about you, but, but I love the letter to the Colossians. It's, it, it is just such a, an inspiring letter to read. I mean, Paul has already, uh, over the last few weeks, reminded us of who Jesus is for us. He's, he's reminded us of, of what it means for us to be, to be wrapped up in Jesus, to be hidden, as we sang, in the cleft of, of that rock of ages. Paul has reminded us that, that, that our very lives have, have purpose and meaning in Christ, because of Jesus. We've seen that, that we are alive because of Jesus. Uh, in Him we, we shared with His death and His resurrection. We've, we've been set free from rules and regulations. He is, says Paul in chapters 1 and 2, everything that we need. No amount of dotting of I's or crossing of T's can make us any more saved than we were the moment we believed and received Him as our Lord and our Saviour. Isn't that good news? Put a smile on your face. Is that good news? Yes! <laughs> I'm sorry, I hate it when people do that to me and I'm sitting in a congregation. But I'm not sitting there, so. It is good news. It's wonderful news. It's brilliant news. But but what does it mean in the nitty-gritty of life? To coin a phrase, when the rubber hits the road, how does being a Christian impact on my life? How does this good news change who I am? It says Paul to us today in chapter 3 verses 1 to 7, as Christians, who we are is totally, radically different to what we used to be. Totally different to what we could have been. We, we are now butterflies, <laughs> where once we were worms. It says Paul, verse 1, Since we have been raised with Christ, we should therefore set our hearts on things above where Christ is. In other words, as Christians, our focus is to be on where Jesus is. 
I mean, from the moment we, we put our faith in Him, that, uh, that focus is the thing which directs our lives. Which, I mean, it drives our lives forwards that we want to be with Him, that we want to be like Him, that we want to do the things that He does. Literally, Paul says in verse 1, since you have been raised with Him, seek the things above. That's what it literally means. Put your heart on the things above. Seek the things above where He is. Because really, where Jesus is, is where we belong. We were raised with Him. Verse 4, our life is in Him. When Paul was writing to the Christians in Colossae, but he wasn't writing to people whose home was Colossae. Paul was writing to people whose real home, the, the place where they, where we are, are ourselves, is with Jesus. You know how it is when, when you're away on holiday? And you get a little bit homesick. And you just, you can't wait to get back home and um, sleep in your own bed and eat at your own table and just have the freedom to be yourself. I mean, that's the picture that Paul is painting, I believe, of us. Verses 1 to verses 4 says Paul to us this morning, as those in Christ, let us seek after home and homeliness. Let's put our eyes and our mind and our thoughts on things above. Let's, let's think about where God is. Let's, let's live as those who know that we belong with Jesus before the throne of God. Because, says verse 3, with Christ we died, we rose, and one day we will appear with Him in glory. And you're right, that is such a, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant thought that one day we will appear with Him. And yes, yes, for the moment we're not home. Or to put it the way Paul puts it, for the moment our lives are hidden. With Christ. You know, if, if I were to give you a, a random selection of people, some Christians, some not Christians, same socioeconomic class, and we lined them up in one of those old fashioned police lineups, I reckon we'd struggle to pick who the Christian was. <laughs> Because in a very real way, until Jesus returns or until we die, our life is in Christ alone. Can I suggest that in some ways being a Christian is like surviving cancer? At the cross, the tumour of, of our sin and our guilt has been cut away, it's been excised. God has given us a 100% guarantee of, of survival. In fact, it tells us that, that already our, our new life has begun in Jesus. And so Paul says, since 
All of that is true since you have a new home in heaven, since your eyes in your direction of your life are towards where Jesus is. Let's focus on where our life is now. Let's focus on where our life is going to be. I mean, why would we chase after the things which brought us only death and destruction? Why would we set our minds on earthly things? Um, if, if you had a heart attack and you were given a brand new heart, why would you continue eating high cholesterol foods? So Paul says to us, since who we were is dead, we need to, verse 5, put to death whatever belongs to who we were. I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. We need to, we need to kill off the sinful earthly things lurking within us. It sounds a bit odd at first glance, doesn't it? We have died to who we were, so we need to kill off the remnants of who we were. But it does make perfect sense, actually. And Paul's told us that, that our new life is hidden in Jesus and that one day soon, very soon, um, maybe in the next few minutes, wouldn't that be great, our, our hidden life in Jesus will be revealed and will stand with Him in His glory. And at that moment when we are revealed, our, our sinful old lives will be, will be totally and absolutely done away with. They will, they will be gone, never to return. But isn't it so true that, that until that moment, our old sinful self still lurks within us? Still got some of its attitudes and habits running through our veins. The difference, of course, is that we know that we're not that person anymore. And we know that, that in Jesus these things have been killed off and that they're destined to be destroyed. And our eyes are so set on Jesus, writes Paul, that even now we want to kill off any last remnants of the person that we once were. Because they don't belong anymore. They don't match up with the direction of our lives. They, they're of the world and we are now of Christ. It's like a butterfly trying to crawl like a worm. It's wrong. It's not appropriate. And I'm sure if I asked you to put up your hands if you've got sinful earthly stuff lurking inside of you. Come on, put up your hands. I'll speak to all those who don't put up their hands afterwards. <laughs> you know, I would be the first to admit that I've got sinful, earthy stuff lurking within me. There are still many things belonging to my, my old self hidden in my life and they need to go. These things need to go from our lives. And, and it's not always an easy task. It's... It's kind of, I believe, like quitting smoking. 
I've never smoked, so, so I've, I've only got second-hand knowledge here. But you know, so often the sin which lurks within us, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. And so often the sin which lurks within us has ingrained itself into the habits of our everyday lives. Habits that, that we do without thinking. Habits which are very difficult to break. Habits which society says are totally fine. And Paul writes in verses 3 to 9 and he, and he gives us um, two lists of, of well, well, just two of the main areas where sin lurks very powerfully in the lives of Christians. And he gives us the two areas of, of our sexuality and our speech. And in fact, if you look through the letters that Paul writes, these two things, sex and speech, come up very, very often in what he writes. Because I, I think Paul knew how powerfully sin can lurk in those things. I mean, the, the town of Colossae, back when Paul wrote them this letter, was, was really pretty similar to us today when it came to sexual ethics. Paul writes about sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which, which in the context here is, is basically referring to, to um, unchecked hunger for, for physical pleasure. In the society of the day in Colossae, those things were almost expected of you. There were religions, well-respected religions, where prostitution was the go. I can't think of many of those religions around today. But doesn't society expect just as little of its members in 2010? I mean... We laugh at movies about 40-year-old virgins because the world's ethic says that sexual immorality and these things are not only appropriate but expected. And Paul writes and he says, no, these things set themselves up as an alternative to God. The end of verse 5 there says, it's idolatry. These things which society tells us to put our hearts on, to seek after. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is. What about, I mean it's really easy to jump down the line and say, oh, 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 sexual ethics, blah, 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 blah. But Paul gives us another example where where sin is so powerfully lurking. And that's in the way that we speak. Uh, verses, uh, what is it, 8 and 9. Anger. Malice. Rage. Slander. Filthy language. Lying to one another. Book of James, chapter 4, I think, uh, James calls our tongue 
um, a fire, a world of evil among all the parts of the body, setting the course of our lives on fire. And you know, taming the tongue can be such a difficult task. I, I can speak from my own experience. Um, I used to be really sarcastic. I'm still a bit sarcastic, I'm working on it. <laughs> but I used to be really, really sarcastic. And I'd, I'd be sarcastic to people without even thinking about it and, and I'm sure I hurt many people with my sarcasm. And I still have to keep a guard on it. I mean, sin can use our speaking to injure and hurt and and to sow seeds of disunity and and discord and anger and unhappiness. And those things are not of the atmosphere of God and His kingdom. Those things are not the atmosphere of where our new life is. And again, these, these two areas of our lives where Paul says sin can lurk they're just example areas of where sin lurks within us. But the message is clear. It says Paul to us, sin is inside of you like a dead rat in a beautiful clean water tank. And we need to be rid of it because dead rats have no place in fresh water. Sin Our sinful dead self has no place within our new living self. Now, which is all very well, well and good, but can we really kill off the lurking sin within us? Again, that example of quitting smoking. Uh, Apparently, um, if you try and quit, where's Debbie? Is Debbie here this morning? No, oh, I won't use her as an example then. Apparently, quitting smoking cold turkey is really, really tough. Has anybody here tried to quit cold turkey? Easy? Very easy. Oh, impossible. Hard. Very hard. Isn't that the same when it comes to, to putting to death our... our sinful selves. It's hard. It's almost impossible. But have you, have you seen that latest ad on, on the TV where you've got this footballer and he's kicking the football and he's puffing away and he's, he decides he's going to quit smoking. And you've got this weird packet of cigarette comes to him and the cigarettes can speak for some reason. And, and the cigarettes say to him, are you really going to quit? And he says, yes, I am. You're going to quit just like you quit last year. Things are different this year. Oh, really? I've got help. I've seen my doctor. We've got help. <laughs> I mean, look at verse 10, what Paul says there. We are being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of the Creator, of the new self which we have been given in Christ. It says Paul to us, we can set our hearts and our minds and the direction of our lives on Him and He will renew us. 
that same power which raised Christ from the dead in us with Him is at work within us. Making us now, even now, what we are already in Jesus, with Him, by the throne of God. So can we put to death the remnants of our old self? Says Paul, yes! By God's help, we can. And we need to, we need to be actively chasing after them. Now, Augustine, one of my heroes, famously said, Give me chastity, but not yet. I think what Paul reminds us in verses 1 to 4 again is to chase after the things of God. Because if our hearts and our minds are set on things above, if we long for our new life to be revealed with Jesus, then we'll begin to spot the sin lurking within us. Because it will start showing up as foreign to who we know we are. In Jesus. And and you know, I I just love Paul's imagery in verses 9 and 10 of what it means to be a Christian. He's he's got this image of us taking off our old self like dirty rags and and, and putting on the new self. And and, and he says to us in verse 10 that in this new self we, we are being renewed to look more and more like our Creator. More and more like His image. And Isn't that just a wonderful thought? I mean, when God made us, He made us in His image and and sin came and corrupted and defiled and spoilt all of that. And then God says, put on this new self which I am giving you and you will be more and more like Me. You will become what I meant you to be. And part of that, verse 11, is that all the barriers which, which segregate and divide and, and break up between people are gone. I mean, in Christ there are no divides. The only thing that matters, says Paul, is, is being in Christ because Christ is all and is in all. And verse 12 comes in there and, and Paul reminds us that as Christians we are even now God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. Isn't this brilliant? He's just been telling us about how, how we have been raised and we've still got to deal with all this sin that lurks within us. And then he turns around and in verse 12 and he says, you are loved by God. You are chosen by God Even though you've got all the stuff that still needs to be dealt with, God has chosen you. He has called you holy. So says Paul, let's be what we are called. 
Let's be what we are in Christ. Let's clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience. Let's, let's put up for goodness sake with the idiosyncrasies of each other. Let's, let's forgive one another like God has forgiven us. In short, let's love one another. Because God loves us. Because our eyes are on Him. And you notice that these things which Paul writes to us in, in the, the second half of our passage, he tells us to put on kindness and compassion and, and all these things. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, if you've got your Bibles, just flip over a few pages. Galatians 5, verse 22, Paul writes, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. What Paul says to us in Galatians to put on, uh, sorry, in Colossians to put on, he tells us in Galatians is the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, when Paul says put on these things, put on this new life, he's not just telling us to be good and nice. He's telling us to allow who we are in Christ to take effect in who we are right now, today. It's a case of God renewing us and at the same time us setting our hearts and our minds on the things of God. I mean, that ultimately is how being a Christian changes who we are. We learn more and more and more about Jesus. We, we want to please Him more and more and more. We, we let His, His Word, uh, verse 16 and 17, dwell richly within us. We, we explore it with our one another. We celebrate what God has done for us with one another. We sing songs of joy and thanksgiving. Our eyes are focused on where Christ is taking us. And we want to be rid of the old self. And we want to be clothed with this new life which He has given us. You know, I, I like my NIV Bible, especially this one with cartoons in it. But you know, I don't like their heading above chapter 3 of Colossians. My Bible here says, Rules for Holy Living. These aren't rules for holy living that Paul has given us. I mean, he's just spent the last 17 verses or so telling us that, that rules have, um, have been done away with in Christ. That we've been set free. What Paul writes to us in chapter 3 is motivation for Christian living with practical examples. You know, you can, you can summarize the whole of the chapter in those first four verses. Set your mind on things above. Seek after the things above where Christ is at the right hand of God. 
me finish this morning with a prayer by uh, the great thinker of the church, Thomas Aquinas. Give me, O Lord, a steadfast heart which no unworthy thought can drag downward. Give me an uncompromising heart which no tribulation can wear out. Give me an upright heart which no unworthy purpose may tempt aside. Set my eyes on Jesus.